You know what I've realized with movies? No. Or TV shows? That no, I do not. Or at least maybe this is just where I am with my age. <laughs> Your age? You my age. You sound advanced. Your advanced age. Your age is not that much. It's not that little. Yeah, but... Yeah. It could be more. Can I get to the point I'm trying to make... Bring it. Bring that it. That I saved... For the podcast. Bring your point. This is why we've been having the most boring conversations because we like, save her for the podcast. Like, hey, I wanted to tell you about shut up, save her for the podcast. First of all, I don't use that language. And you shouldn't be using it on the show. Tanya, I want you to save that for the podcast. Don't talk to me about interesting things now. <laughs> well, it's more interesting if it's recorded forever because then it's always interesting. Time capsule of our... It's important to capture everything. Hey, this is what you get for, for being, being with, with a documentary film. A documentary film guy thing. Okay, t- lay it on me here. Lay it. Tim. At my age. At my age. I've come to the realization in my mature years that the act of watching something whether it's TV or movie, is at least equal to, if not more, important than the thing you're actually watching. Yeah, because it's so hard to actually watch anything. Holy crap. No, but I was like, we've, we usually put something on on the TV and you're really into bad horror films. You love anything that has the slightest hint of a scare. Yeah, if I think I want to get spooked out, I love Ugh, like it, I like to hide these my are eyes. So but I love... this is the one genre that almost never delivers. Okay, well here's the thing. Okay, the point I'm trying to make oh, is bring it on. that I continue to watch them because it's regardless of how good the thing is, I'm enjoying the act of watching. So you're a voyeur. You. You're a voyeur. No, I enjoy just taking it in. It's like when you go to the movies. And a movie doesn't deliver. It's like, oh, that sucked. It's not like people are like demanding their money back. No, it's just like, eh, better luck next time. And, you know, that's pretty rare because a lot of people nowadays, when they feel ripped off or they, they got less than what they'd hoped for, oh my God. they're asking for their money they're back. They're entitled. People these days are entitled. And I'm not looking at anyone, particularly millennials, but like... And you know what? People are entitled. That's and you know fudge. what? What? I blame the parents. So do I. See what I did there? Yep. That's a segue into our theme. Parenting. And Boom. Pop, 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 So pop. this is a talk about parenting. And of course, parenting in How pop t- culture. How it ties into pop culture. Yeah. So no. we our first episode was on love. And our second one was on nature. nature. And this is on parenting. Now, we got to have a bit of a disclaimer. Oh, gosh. This isn't the episode where Tanya and I as parents say... How much better we are than everybody else. No, there's no parent shaming. There's no parenting shaming. Because frankly, everybody that isn't a parent mm-hmm. is better than us. And they... No, 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 no that's no. not it either. And people that don't have kids give you parenting advice. Now, I will say I this. do a whole show on that. Oh, that is my favorite. Oh! And, and I will say that you don't know what it's like to be a parent until you are a parent. Because you don't. And I do uphold the idea that if you have fur babies... You are a parent. Absolutely, And that there is every parallel with a pet that you get with a child. I agree. But having a child, there's just other things that you have have to do. There are just other responsibilities that you can't even imagine that are going to come your way. 
You never And that's on your plate, too. So I think fur babies count. You're a parent if you have pets. That's me. It doesn't matter how you treat your pet. Um, Hopefully, you treat them well. Hopefully, you treat them nicely. But... If you take care of your pet, that you're a parent in my book. I don't. I don't draw that line. I, some people want to. Some of our listeners may. Half of five of them may say one thing. The other five may say the other thing. No, I say pet parents count as parents. Pet parents count. Absolutely. Pet parents count. A hundred percent. So this is not about being a good parent. This is no. not about. A, this is not a lecture about parenting. No. But this is about this is no parenting and pop culture. Yes. And the way that parents, father figures and mother figures and fathers and mothers infiltrate the pop culture space and i tell you when i first put this topic down because i've created this this long list of topics that that are going to center and anchor our show the podcast uh i was like i don't know what's going to happen with this one and i just kind of think of broad things and i don't think about it too much and then when i come back to them to do the outlines i'm like okay now i get into it because i get to you know wrap my head around and i get to really think about stuff oh yeah speaking of parenting Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into probably some good stories, I think. Oh, jeez. Because my mom has been over a lot lately, and you've been, like, grilling her for information. So is she going to come over tomorrow? You're like the Scottish Inquisition. Because I need to fill some content for next week's show. Holy smokes. <laughs> anyway, come on over, Mom. As a kid, did your parents ever let you snack on Mr. Noodles? Yes. Yeah. My mom did because... Dryer or warm? Both, because... When we got, I never had them before. Okay, explain ever. what Mr. Noodle is in case people around Mr. the world. A third of our audience is in the States and the rest are in Canada and there's some outliers in Europe. So Mr. Noodles are a, a ramen noodle snack. So like a, a, I guess a... Dehydrated noodle. Yeah, dehydrated noodle is flour based. <laughs> but and, it comes in but a it comes brick. In a brick. Like or it's, a bowl. It's freeze dried. And like you have to put said brick in the water for like literally 30 seconds, it comes mush and it's noodles. You put a powder on it, seasoning. But a lot of people, when I was a kid, would bring it to their lunch at school and they'd have this noodles in bags and they'd be crushing it on the table. And then they'd put the seasoning on and they'd eat it dry and crunchy and it was loud. And I, I wonder what the hell it was. Now, the package is about the size of like an iPhone Plus. Yeah. And it's, it's about that big and it's about an inch, inch thick. Inch thick yeah. yeah. Now, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. They they cut a hole and they'd put like the, the seasoned packet in there yeah, and they'd and shake it up shake it. and they'd crush the hell out of it and then they'd just kind of eat it out of the bag. Yeah, like they'd pour it into their mouth like a walking taco. But I would do mm-hmm. is I would leave it as a brick and bite off pieces. <laughs> You'd be the most hardcore mofo in your whole life. I liked room. biting it like a bar instead of like opening a bag and letting bits and crud fall over my face all as I tried you know, to eat I, it. I really didn't like it. Like my mom let me try it because I... I Saw the other kids in my class doing it. And once in a while, I'd wanted noodles or something. It's but just... here's the funny thing. It's so gross. There was about a good two or three month period where it seemed like everybody in class had them except for me. Really? Noodle didn't, wasn't I down? Said, was I said, I asked for them. And she's like, we can afford better snacks than Mr. Noodle. Like they're garbage. She's like, do you want something better? Do you, do you just need a different snack? I'm like, no, everybody seems to like these. I've never, I never had them. <laughs> And when she got them, she brought a case home from like Costco. It wasn't. It was Price Club. It was Price Club at the time, but yeah, Costco. And so there was like forty-eight packages. So I had I had committed assorted flavors. Was it like shrimp, beef? No, no. It was it was like vegetable. All chicken noodle. All that rocks. Which was fine for me. It's all it's all chicken noodle. She's like, well, there you go. I hope you like it. This sucker cost me eight ninety nine or whatever she said. So your your noodle was like, but you're she, gonna she, eat all of them. She's just like, why do you want this? Like she didn't understand, and it was more of a 
popularity thing. Sure, it's because everyone else had them. Yeah, but it was it just an interesting thing where she questioned something that I wanted to do that she couldn't wrap her head around. But she still went out and got it. Yeah, and, she was a great sport it. about it. And then later, she ended up getting the cups, the ones that were in the cups that you could just put water in like and, and microwave the cup. It was a styrofoam cup. Yes. You just tear off the top. And that was great because I'd always have that after school. I get yeah, home at you like, you're so hungry. I get home at like you know two thirty, two forty five from high school. Put one of those in the microwave, and and I tried to have one of those dry ones. It didn't work. It wasn't. The I same. don't know why. It just did My not. My mom would let me have work. those like in cup of soup once in a while. Because again, if like after school was a quick snack for me, or like before bed, because I was a teen, like a teenager, I was growing, so I was hungry all the time. I'd have one at bedtime, so it would be like snacky. And it's pretty light on your tummy. You're not gonna go to bed feeling like you just had like a greasy cheeseburger or something. Although I did do that a lot too. We had a you barbe- still do that. We had a barbecue that was at my house, like growing up. We had a barbecue. My mom, God bless her, it was hooked up right into the house, the gas. So the barbecue was like piped right off the house. So I didn't have to turn any propane tanks on or anything. I'd come home from playing shows and stuff and I just put meat on the grill. That yeah, but that's understandable. Like when I, I worked at Pizza Hut as a cook and I closed, Late actually nights. my last summer before I went to uh, Sheridan for postgrad stuff, I was working there all through college. And then, so I would close, you know, 11, 12, depending on which store I was closing. And I'd come home and I'd eat. Oh, yeah. You know, and that would be the only time that my grandparents wouldn't care if I was cooking when I got home because they understood. But if I, like, went to the bar and got home at 2.30, 3 in the morning. grass. Oh, it was brutal. I would would take the microwave out of the kitchen, go downstairs, go to the backyard, plug Mm -hmm. it in there, Mm -hmm. and put pizza pockets in there just so that the smell wouldn't perforate the house and wake them up. I, you know, I'm laughing because I used to do the same thing. And then I thought, well, I can't have a pizza pocket without a milkshake. No, so I took, would, so, so I took the blender outside as well. Fudge. I'm sitting outside, blending in. I, I'm sure like the neighbors are wondering, you're like, like loaded. Who's not? Well, hey, if you have I a good glow on, if you're at the bar, I'm okay. This is like hours after last call. I'm coherent enough and conscious enough and coordinated enough well, i used to come home like that too make nachos i'm surprised my mom didn't like want to kill me i don't know how she slept through it or she just like chose to be like okay i know she's just making snacks at least she's not out like gallivanting around with boys so we always do a definition on these shows so when you google parenting you have to scroll down a while before you get to anything really the first thing that comes up is upbringing and then there's links to articles and stuff the first like couple questions are what is good parenting what are the four types of parenting style what is poor parenting it doesn't even get to a definition until you scroll 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 past youtube scroll past books and then finally midway to three quarters down it says about what does it all mean this is parenting or child rearing is the process of promoting and supporting the physical emotional social and intellectual development of a child from infancy to adulthood parenting refers to the intricacies of raising a child there are and not exclusively for a biological relationship exactly so it doesn't mean that you had to put your seed in for that child as long as you step up to the plate you are the parent especially if you're doing things like potty training reading books at night like all the, the parenting things i like to include a couple phrases as well we did that especially with the nature one last time the phrases that I've heard a lot mm-hmm. since I've been a parent are hover mother, protective parent, 
Yeah, helicopter parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When they say helicopter parenting. But I also hear, like, the other one, like, free-range parents. I I hear a thing, like, throughout parenthood. I see it, though, too, right? Right. And there's also, like... So what what are all those terms? What is a hover mother or a helicopter Someone who's just, like, always on their kid 24-7. Like, that's just paranoid. The kid can't move. And what is, uh... Free-range parenting. It is the other end of the spectrum. They just let their kids graze, just go, run, wild, do what you want. So, if I was thinking pop culture, graze, do what you want, that kind of reminds me of uh, the Bundys. Oh my god, yeah. The Bundys don't really care what's going on with their kids. kids. Yeah, they let their freak flags fly. What are some classic pop culture parents that are super protective or or, or a hover mother? Oh my god. Oh my god, three hover mothers, full house. Danny Tanner and Joey and <laughs> yeah, Jesse. Uncle sure, Jesse. yeah. They fiercely protected those girls. Uncle Jesse. With that hair, he was a hover mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, they protected those kids. Like, what's some protective parents in pop? <sighs> when you when you think of parents in pop culture, what jumps to your mind? I think of like, does, does it is it an easy connection to make, or is it out there? Well, I like to me like. I remember when parenting started coming to like my head in pop culture. I was it was when Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain had Francis Bean. That's when I actually oh, became good. aware of like parenting in pop culture. That's when I, I know, realized almost in the same moment in time when you realize that your teacher exists outside of school. Yeah, has a different life. She or he has a life. Oh my god. I never saw my teachers outside of class. I did, so I like, never broke I the them, illusion. It, oh god, for me it was like they were rock stars. So it's crazy. My teacher but, at the gym. But to the to the rock star point that rock stars are more than just people on a stage they or a pedestal that you put on. They, they have kids. Yeah, exactly. They have families. They have Christmases. They're not just. Old. I don't think growing up that I ever thought that or considered that any rock stars that I knew had kids. I didn't until that until moment. Kurt Cobain and, and Courtney Love yeah. had, had a baby, and I wasn't even aware that they had a daughter. Until Kurt passed away. Really? Oh, see, I had seen them. I read. I don't think so, no. There was a Rolling Stone or something where I read that Courtney Love had accidentally, not knowing she was pregnant, done heroin during her pregnancy. And then I remember seeing Kurt and Courtney take Francis Bean to like the MTV Movie Awards. And I remember Mm, her being on their hip. And he was wearing red sunglasses and a striped shirt. No, I wasn't. uh, No, I definitely wasn't part of that much into the. I just remember to behind the scenes and well, stuff. I just remember like becoming and being like, "They're a mom and dad. This is crazy." I've got a huge list here, Bring and we're, list. we're we're gonna go through it. Okay, ready? So some of the movies that I thought of right away when it comes to parenting that that stood out to me intrinsic intrinsically. I, that's the second time I've messed up that word tonight. Um, Cinderella. Oh yeah. Oh, the wicked stepmother. Talk about like parenting issues. And talk about like. Like a classic stereotype is the wicked stepmother, and it came from like fairy stories, and there are a lot of wicked. But stepmothers that relationship in real life. is is the prime source of conflict in oh, that yeah. film, Cinderella versus her She's so her evil. family essentially. Well, her her dad's dead. Yeah, like her which mom again sucks. Died when she was so small, and then she's left with this stepmother and these two ugly stepsisters who are just like their attitudes are uglier than their faces. But, but there's like no reason for it, right? I know. They're just, they're just like they just want to have the control versus something like Moana, which is also oh. on my list. Where yes, we're obsessed with Moana as right of now, late. So much I tweeted we watch about it like Moana. fifty or sixty times. I brush my teeth couple... to Moana every morning. What can I say? That Jemaine Clement song, man. Oh my 
God. It sounds so like good. Bowie. As sounds a crab? Good. Oh my yeah. God. So good. Uh, but Moana's parents, who don't want, well, her father mainly, who, don't, who doesn't want her to leave and, and leave the wreath and, and the island. In the water it's and... because he has a tragedy. Yeah. Where he lost his best friend because he was, you know, he had the Voyager spirit. Yeah. It's not like, no, I don't want you to go because I just disagree. No, There's I no had motivation. this happen to me. I was drawn onto the water. And too. Usually, when you want a villain to be believable, mm-hmm. you want to understand their motivation. Like like, the so wa- the audience, the, the audience gets it. Like, okay, I understand why he or she's like that. But yeah. with Cinderella's stepmother. There is no you, you don't understand, but it's just cruel. She's just a and it's effective, but because it just goes crazy even her cat is an lucifer i completely forgot her cat's name was lucifer oh really oh i never would oh my god that cat's evil but you gotta but if you even look at the stepmother she's not particularly warm to the other sisters celine and dion or whatever their names are (laughs) no it's griselda and i think ismerelda or something Uh, i can't remember i think it's anastasia anastasia and yeah and ismerelda yeah they got Mm, i don't know Whatever it is, but either or. But she's, she's not, not like warm, warm to them either. The other thing is too, like she's like the second wife after the first wife died. Like you got another friggin' chance, and you picked that. Damn. Yeah. Jeez, her hair looks like a like boy. how desperate like the whole tale is that he wanted Cinderella to have a, a mother figure. So you married someone who was like old enough to be your like, grandmother. How about this hot tip? Do some research. You pick the worst person ever. This lady's not even good at parenting her own damn kids. Now she's gonna have to parent yours. But I still, you just wait. Do you just go and die? When, when I when I think of the stepmother from Cinderella, Ugh. the image burned in my head is her sitting in her bed sipping tea, Stro- with her eyes glowing in the freaking dark, just with a nightcap on, and yeah. like Lucifer sitting on the side of the bed, preening himself. And she's just sitting there, and it's I think it's the calmness about it because she she's like, she Cinderella? never like freaks out or anything. She never really raises her voice. She's just stern, curt, and like oh, to the point. decisive. Yeah, Cinderella. When you're done doing the floors, I need you to do the tapestries. And then, and then the stables mm-hmm. and this and everything. A million things. And then yeah. both, and then the little mice come. And then the mice come and it's okay. Look, we got Cinderella. Gus Gus over there right now. Love Cinderella. Yeah. Um, keeping with Disney, I thought another film that sticks with me in parenting is actually The Jungle Book. Yeah. And no no parents. Well, no. Oh, that's no. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. Unparented. No, that's incorrect too. And this is the problem that Mowgli's having when Bagheera asks him to leave the jungle and go back to the man Demand. village. Because he's he has to leave his family. He has to leave uh, Akila, the wolf. Yeah, who raised him. Yeah. yeah that's what he I'm has saying. to leave his parents, the only people that he knew. And then he, even then, he's forming bonds with Bagheera and Baloo. They're all his friends. And they're all his And he's too. being asked to leave them. Yep. Like his family that he's known... And that's heart wrenching that he's being pulled away from that just because, because of looks, whatever. Exactly because he looks of, like the man yeah. people, but no, he's been raised by raised by wolves, man. I think of there are a lot of con- I think of Home Alone when I think of parenting. Okay, because, good one. Yeah, holy doodle! Like, how in the actual fudge do you leave your eight year old kid? I don't care how many kids are around. I don't like, care how many damn kids. And you know you what? Count. Maybe I'm a. Uh, I don't know what is it a protective papa or whatever it is, but I like to make eye contact with my kids all the time. I'm always checking where they are. No, that's just being a normal parent. Okay, I mean that's obviously like the, the biggest hurdle that that screenplay had for John Hughes. It was like, how, how do, do we make, make it convincing? Yeah. Almost as tough as 
the sequel, how do we make this plausible that they again, forgot Kevin again, again that he like, gets separated? Oh my god, you guys are the worst parents in the world! Like, Pretty like much. This, okay, but you know what? Don't have like eight kids then if you can't keep track of all of them. If you can, go for it. Like, look at those kids on 19 and counting. I don't know that. It was a show on TLC years ago. I don't know if any of them are still alive. Did they keep counting? They're straight out of condoms. Like, those people, those kids were walking out of that lady. And the eldest ones were taking care of the youngest ones. I th- I have, of course, my favorite film down here. You're looking at me blankly. Well, which one about parenting? Jurassic Park. Jurassic Parenting. This is all about the middle-aged man who doesn't want kids beca- because they smell, babies smell... And he doesn't want to have anything to do with them. It's too complicated. Krampus style. His life is difficult as it is. And then he gets thrust in a situation where he has to become a father figure and take Mm -hmm. care of two kids in the most outrageous survival situation ever. Like, talk about, like, the worst And he And he embraces it, too. At first, he's pushing the kids away. He's He's trying to be in different cars. And then when the T-Rex comes and the lawyer takes off and... uh, That's the reckoning. That's the reckoning. Of being a dad figure. It is. It Great is. Time. He found his calling. He answered it. And he did it well. But Very she's well. she's like, he left us. He left us. Good. And he and he looks right at her and says, but that's not what I'm going to do. So like right there, he, instantly he becomes he a parent. Yep. He gets them up in the tree. He gets them secure. He's showing them new things. He makes, He's taking care of them. know that the Brontosaurus is okay. He might sneeze on you, he's but trying he's not going to eat you. It, every interaction with, with Grant and the kids is all about, like, basically every parenting experience I've ever gone through. Like, climbing up over the fence and coming down. It's okay. Come on, Tim. Come on, Tim. It's and even like, when he backfires and he becomes a human piece of toast, he's still, like, he's still trying to make light of it to comfort him and yeah, everything. Yeah, make him feel better about it. Like, yeah. you know, like, when the kids fall on the floor and they'll say, you say, oh, you fell down. Is the floor okay? You know, just something yeah. silly, you know, just to try to lighten it up. Here's a similar one, Aliens, with Ripley and Newt. Oh, yeah. Well, they had such a sweet relationship. That was my, as a very small child, because I saw that movie probably way before I should have, because my dad owned a video store then, so he'd bring yeah. things home on Betamax, and he brought home Aliens, and, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I just thought their relationship was so sweet. Well, and that's like the least thing you expect to happen in that film, on because- a sci-fi movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of it's a bit more of an action film. This the sequel I'm talking about here, where yes. where they get kind of stranded inside In the base, the and they got to kind of shoot their way out, and they discover this child that's there, and like that's where the stakes raise because it's not just them; it's like now this little girl who can't defend herself, now you're a parent. who doesn't have the weapons, and Ripley becomes the mother. Yep, she's you know, the mother and. That parallels what they find as they go deeper into the base, which is the alien queen. The actual queen. You know, so Ripley's just as protective as Newt as the alien queen is protective of her drones. And so you get like one kind of, you know. Mom against the other mom. It's mama like mama bear mode. Like it's mama time. war. Like a xenomorph mom. That's freaking horrifying. But so is Ripley. So there you go. One that popped into my mind today that does the same thing similar to the last two I want to talk about. Sure. Is Harry Potter. Because this is a film where Harry's constantly told about how great his parents were and he sees them in in the mirror and how much he loves them and misses them and he'll never be with them and he's constantly haunted by their legacy. And he's haunted by his prophecy. 
But that's only exasperated by the fact that he has to live with his uncle and aunt who treat him awful. Like a third, fourth, fifth class citizen. Like horrible. Like they're like so mean. And he's kept at arm's length for a long time by Dumbledore as well, who is essentially his father or grandfather figure. Yeah, that's like the... Yeah. Who kind of brings him in. And McGarnacle's a little bit like a mother figure. She's, like she's, the, she's, she's stern Mary. and firm, but, you know, he can go to her for advice and guidance and whatnot. And so, like, of course, I love he's in pop culture how, like, the, the different familiar relationships get kind of reconfigured when the parents, biologically, aren't mm-hmm. there. Yep. A family unit emerges. It generally forms somehow, yeah. Yeah. And 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 usually it's triangly, triangly too. It's like yeah, that and sort I, of. And I have this kind of down here a little bit later, but since you mentioned, it, it's like you know sometimes there's there's a mentor figure who steps in to become a mother or a father figure, like Merlin, more than the actual parent. like Merlin in the Sword in the Stone, yeah, young cause, Arthur, because Wart doesn't really have parents; he just has guardians, yeah, you the, know, and Sir Ector, and, and he's a wiener to him. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. Another film. Especially as of late, which is really cool to see oh, that I haven't been pushing and I'm just letting it develop and I'm hoping the same thing eventually happens with other franchises. What's this? Last Crusade. Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Of course, this is all Sweet. about the, the conflict between son and father, and father when they're both at an age that they think they're both right and how that progresses. You know, they both have different solutions to the same problem. Neither is right or wrong. They have different approaches to it. It's We've been watching a lot of Indiana Jones around here lately. Yeah, Harrison's really gravitated towards, which which is kind of cool to see. And I just kind of sit back and kind of, I just enjoy it. Because I think he's a little bit lately of that if you push something on him, he kind of wants to turn his head up on it. Yeah, he's like, But if mm, he discovers it on his, his own, own yeah. or in the right kind of situation or circumstance, then then it's cool. Or like sometimes one of his like little peers at school will like something and then he'll want to check it out too. And of course, I think the biggest parenting pop culture thing that I could think of is, and it comes down to one of the biggest twists and turns in cinematic history, the infamous line from Empire Strikes Back, where Vader says, you know, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. I am your father. You know, so like that line. whole saga is about parenting and oh, yeah. mama, everything from the prequels where Anakin doesn't have a father. He was just inseminated and is, he has to watch his mother, who's a slave, be taken away from him and eventually, essentially be murdered, murdered. by uh, Tuscan Raiders, which yeah. he comes back and, you know, gets vengeance. He gets revenge against the But Tuscan then Raiders. as his own father, he, you know, as his own, as a father himself, he basically harms his partner Padme and forces her into kind of early childbirth. Isn't around at all for his two kids' Twins. entire life. Yep. Which is actually something that the new Darth Vader comic book explores. It takes place between Empire and Jedi. It's oh. canon, so cool. it counts. So it's cool. And it's about Vader getting images. We don't know if it's Padme. We don't know if it's a clone of Padme. But... It talks about how when he first learned that he had kids, that wow. he had that he had Luke and Leia, or at least Luke. It's like do you want? And he he, 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 he goes them? on a mission to find out who kept this from him and why. Because he'd probably harm them. Who knows? Well, the right? idea was to keep them a secret exactly. because if the Emperor ever learned who that that Anakin Skywalker had offspring, he would try to take them. Yada, them yada yada. Goodbye. But the whole thing is about parenting, and then it comes you know back later on with the the Disney trilogy or whatever you want to call it. Ray wants to know who her parents are. Yep. She, wants she wants to know, to know her origins. You know, who am I? Where do I come from? Why are my parents so important? And ultimately, 
she doesn't really ever know who they are, and she's it really no doesn't idea. matter. And she, she takes on a completely different lineage by choice. Yep, absolutely. You know, Luke becomes her father in some capacity. Leia becomes her mother in, in a different oh, yeah. capacity. And Leia has kids of her own with Han, mm -hmm. and they've got ben. to deal with parenting issues. Ben Solo. And you got Kylo killing his dad. Like, the whole thing is about that relationship between mentor, mentee, father, and son. Yeah, it is. It's, so it's... why... Our parents so important. Why do we There's, why do we cling to it as as something well, that's so important that that captivates us that that we yearn for? So and, because for a long time we don't see. And it. I made a documentary about trying to find my mom. Well, for, you know, for all, so I get it. I think for the most part, it's because we don't see parents a lot of the time as people. We cling to the fact that they're parents, and that's why it is that's why we do need them so much, and we're, they're so revered, and you know, that's why I think parents are so important. We just like because we, we but are parents important? Because I, they, I would say that a film such as Peter Pan tells us they're not. All the lost boys, Peter Pan doesn't want to grow up, but they're parented. Well, this is this is the ironic. There has to thing. be someone to guide them. You know, this what I mean? is the ironic thing about that story, right? There's they have to be a mom or dad. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to have rules. I want to live in the woods, but at the same time, the second that Wendy gets there. Hi, they, mom. Well, they fall. They fall into the order. They crave the order that mm -hmm. she gives. And they want to. They want to read stories, and they want to. You know, be... Captain Hook is the father that they want to rebel against, so that they can do their own thing. And I think Peter Pan is is a really interesting look at when you consider parenting and how it works and how it kind of subverts everything. I agree. There was. We've talked a little bit about some television examples, but I've got four down here as well. The Cosby Show. Did you put that one down? No. Why? Do you want to talk about Cliff Huxtable? Well, I don't <sighs> want to like debate Bill Cosby and his exploits. No, we're talking characters. We're talking. Chug a lug, Rudy. Chug a lug. You know, like that. That, that kind of That's stuff. That's your favorite episode. Holy crud! Is it ever? Like because like. They want to teach Vanessa about drinking. So Claire Huxable and Cliff and Rudy make the drinking game. I uh, One of my favorite episodes is when Rudy has a sleepover and he gives everybody the, a, horsey, a, the ride? horsey ride on the knee. And I forget the kid's name. Is it Peter? Peter. And he's a little bit he's a, chunkier. He's a, he's, he's a hefty guy. He's a, he's a husky boy. He's twice the thickness of everybody else. And... <laughs> <laughs> Cliff is not sure if the old knee will work out and he gives it a bit of a massage before Peter really? gets on there. I remember watching that episode with my mom and I remember like falling off the couch laughing. Like I was laughing so hard. I remember my mom was killing herself, just cracking up. Because it's funny. I just thought... The physical comedy. Like that, that's a good dad that's to do dad. all that time with those those people. My dad was like that with my friends when I was a kid. Like he was always fun. He'd like... My friends would be like, do Michelangelo, do Michelangelo. And he'd like, do Michelangelo's voice. Talk From Ninja Turtles? Yeah, and he'd like talk about surfing in the toilet. Like, he it was strange. Or, he, you know, he just, he did cool things like that. My mom was good with my friends too. I think one show that we know that our American audience probably doesn't know is uh, Mr. Dress Up. That was a great show. That and I thought that Mr. Dressup was the ultimate father figure. Because every episode, he stopped what he was doing at the beginning. He greeted you, mm -hmm. and then he'd play with Casey and Finnegan or the other kids that were there, and he was engaging with you as a viewer. And so, like, it was everything that every kid wanted. I An adult to take yeah. the time to without questions, to, to play with them, to show them things, 
to have fun, imagination, sing songs, do crafts. And it was never a bother. It was never a concern. It was always no. with a smile. It was never five minutes, just, yeah, in five minutes or yeah, in 10 minutes. It was always, it was always okay. And so that's why I think we always yearn for it. I thought that The Wonder Years was another show that I thought about dad, family, and parenting. So good. Daniel Stern, inner voice, Kevin Arnold. Yeah, but I, when I think of the Wonder Years, I, I, I think about the parents 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah, the dad and the mom. I, I think of the whole family, to be honest, what it's like for Kevin, you know, with, with the older sister a, and Wayne. And, yeah, Wayne's such a wiener. And like his older sister, like she was like, she got with the whole hippie movement. And, and she, she ended like, up with David Schwimmer. Yeah. Of all people. But it, it just really made me feel like it was a family thing. Of course, Kevin's the main character, but the family was always a strong, strong yeah. storyline. It wasn't just about what... Together, like, yeah, it just wasn't what about Kevin was doing. Like, no. the dad, what he was going through. And some of my favorite episodes were, you know, Kevin hanging out with his dad and, like, seeing what it's like on the other side of the coin. Yeah, I agree. I loved that show growing up. Loved it. Uh, Sopranos is an interesting one too, especially it's a strong family dynamic as well. It's all about the family in Sopranos, big time. Whether it's blood family or mob family, yeah. Whether it's, but it's interesting because the hierarchy really kind of dictates how the rules who, go there. Yeah. But it's also so you have within the mob stuff how that works. Mm-hmm. You know who's in charge, and then it's interesting to see Tony deal with, you know, especially in the early episodes with his kids, how they don't know, and when they start to find out. And how he starts to act like a child when they start oh finding out what's going on. So there's a he again, reverts right the back. balance of power is is really interesting and in how it shifts it gets back shifty. and forth. It can get shifty. Uh, the Muppets. Yep. You got Kermit basically as a father figure to trying to rope everyone. everybody, giving people advice, trying to organize what's going on. And the Muppets is essentially how our household runs, where it's it's nonstop chaos, and somebody has to just say, "Okay, this is what's going on. This is how we're going to do it." Okay, have your five minutes on stage, Scarlett. Harrison, you want to put on a show? Okay, that's fine. Okay, next act. Okay, now we're moving on. That's what our house that's reminds me of. That's pretty much... Oh, my God. Yep. It's a crazy show. Two moments uh, in TV, both CW shows, Smallville, okay. Dawson's Creek. Yep. Both, like, critical moments that hit me in the same way are when the dads pass away. Oh, so terrible. It's Jonathan Kent passes away in Smallville, and it's... Oh, oh my God. It's such a heart-wrenching episode because there's time travel involved and it doesn't happen at first somebody else passes away and clark messes around with it to save that person and his dad ends up dying what oh Oh yeah it's brutal but he knows he knows it has to be that way and then of course he's dealing with jor-el telling him how to be and oh my goodness like there's you it's on amazon prime now in canada you have to watch it with me it's so so good honey um, well, episode of Dawson's Creek where Mitch Leary died. And he's Jeez. just reaching for like an ice cream cone or something that f- that falls in his car and then... Done. Yeah. It's so sad. And like those episodes after, it's like, oh my God, you want to keep watching because you feel so bad. You just need the characters to be happy again. Yeah, but like it takes a while, like, like it does in real life. The one episode that deals with parenting in Masters of the Universe is, is probably my favorite episode. What's that it's one? Called, I think it's called Prince Adam No More. Okay. And essentially, King Randor, Man-at-Arms, and Prince Adam are going on a trip. And they're in the attack track. And Beastman has been cast out of Snake Mountain by Skeletor for screwing up one more time. And and he's like, I'll show Skeletor. I'll do all the work myself. And he ends up setting a trap with some shadow beasts. And Adam kind of won't and refuses to turn into He-Man. Because he's sick of being looked down upon by his dad. And so 
his pride and not doing the right thing gets them both captured and they have to get out of it in of a different trap. way and they end up kind of getting close in that wonder years kind of kevin and kevin's dad, and kind, dad of way. kind of way but it, it always stuck with me and it always it, it i don't want to say it haunts me but it, it's always there on the surface and whenever i think about it i get a little misty that's crazy that yeah. i mean that's a nice memory though yeah yeah it's so kind of cool that's that's the one episode that sticks out for that it's amazing that it stuck for you that one uh video games there's a bunch of video games that deal with parents and I think when I the first thing I thought of when it came to video games uh, in parenting was the ESRB. Do you know what this is? No. I think it's the Entertainment Software Ratings Board. Okay. And so as someone whose parents let her play Mortal Kombat, which is kind of like the most violent game ever. Let is not the right word. What happened? I got the video game cartridge from Blockbuster and then they weren't home. So I played the crap. How did you it. rent it without them? It was rated M for mature. There's no problem. I just went in there and rented it. And they never saw what you were playing? Well, you wait a second. You were playing the Super Nintendo version, so there was no blood. You can turn it off. No, nope. there is blood. No, there isn't. It's sweat. And Super you... Nintendo and Genesis is blood. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was green like ooze That's that cool. they said was sweat. But in Genesis, it was blood. Well, on all the Xbox 360 stuff that I've played where, like, my friends would come over. I'm talking about when old school. you when lived at home, yeah. Did your parents ever talk to you about video game violence or anything like that? Was it ever a topic? No, honestly. It never came up. Like, and I played... Did Jack they ever say anything about the music you were listening to or the movies or shows oh, you were yeah. watching? Like, I remember, like, I'm like, okay. Like, it's headbanger music. But, like, that, that was, like, almost, like, everything that I listened to. Headbanger music could have been Hole or Nirvana... Like, when I listened to the Beatles, nobody complained. I remember, for some reason, that my grandma let me rent Robocop 2. What? Which, still, looking back on it, it was directed by Irvin Kirshner, who directed Empire Strikes Back. But that's astonishing. It, it's it's an R-rated film. It's and I remember watching it when I was, like, eight. No? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That does not seem like her style to me. And... It is loaded with lots of swear words, swear words lots of sex, sex lots of violence, violence, lots of drug use. It's all about creating a drug called nuke and getting it out there. But I think Yikes. that her parenting strategy was, we'll see how he handles and reacts to this kind of stuff. Well, it scares the bejeebers out of him. No, and if he acts out, then we know we got to do something. Because I never really did anything consuming this stuff. Yeah, true. But I remember watching the, even the first RoboCop. You were a good boy. Non-stop. Like, I had a taped copy of RoboCop that I would watch. Really? Yeah. And it was just, it was never an See, issue. See, you didn't have any time to get into trouble. You were always watching a movie. Well, good I cath- guess it paid off. Catholic boy. What, what are you doing to my face? I'm fixing your eyebrow. It's Don't the, fix mine. It's come just right like off. the mother and you fixing my eyebrow on the podcast. It's 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 a mouth cast. It's a, it is a mouth cast. But, you know. One of the parenting thing, it's sort of pop culture. I think sports are pop culture. Sure. I read this and I couldn't believe it. And the NHL is looking to institute this. Or the OHL is? I'm not sure. But, yeah, if the NHL wants to institute this, it's, it's a new rule where agents can't approach any kids until they're 16. Because right now, some kids are getting approached at 12. Ew. No. that's I don't like that. Well, that's what the hockey world is like because they want to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, and being able to keep tabs on kids. Because if you're an agent and you can land Sidney Crosby when he's 12 and, like, kind of be part of the family oh, for you got three or four years, 
then you're getting, you know, 10% of his, you know, $8 million contract for, you know, his, his career. And that's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. And like, that's crazy. Yeah. So they want to push that off until 16. Yeah. I think there are a lot of, I think it can be a very predatory world. It's, uh. With young children and, you know. I just wonder what it's like. Like how you, it's almost like, you know, when colleges and the states for the NCAA, you know, you can't give players money or like a bribe or gifts or anything like that to come to your school. You just have to offer them scholarship and whatever you can do. So that stuff is always hard to crack down. And that's when those kids are 18 as well. Yeah. So it's not, I wonder if it's going to be kind of like a recruitment thing at that point. It and could if it's be by, get that, by that age. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, did you have any other thoughts on parenting and pop culture? We have a ton of listener questions, but we got to get to Boulder Dash first. Okay. Well, so parenting. I mean, I do, I do, I do a twenty four seven. I don't have any questions about it for sure. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions about parenting? Ask away. What's the biggest surprise about being a parent? <laughs> How much you can actually handle? I think. How much you can actually handle? Like love, chaos, and how? Like how much do you have the capacity to actually handle? It's a lot of everything, a lot of big, big emotions with parenting, and it's uh, it's astonishing to see what you can survive and wade, like kind of wade your way through. I think for me, it's the instincts, like how you instinctively just do stuff Very as things come up. <coughs> like a kid sneezes, you're running to get the tissue, like before you even think you're about like can they do it, or <coughs> you know, you're just there parenting yeah I mean, like without thinking it just becomes it just becomes like an instinct it becomes like automatic like completely. when that feeling when you've got a that feeling you get when you got a pee you know to go to the bathroom go to the bathroom that it's that same feeling with your kids that you have to act a certain way when you get the sign or the signal they need yeah xyz yeah. yeah z i think it would be strange and i know the time is going to come quicker than we realize oh. when the kiddos aren't around or they've grown <laughs> up a little bit and they don't need us as much as they need us now where those instincts are going to feel uh, neglected. Like we're going to want to do something yeah. and they're going to be like, oh, no, 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 we got this. And that's going to be hard to let go of from having doing it so long. All the time, having, too. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So last week, Balderdash. On the Nature Show. We talked about planet Earth. Yes, we did. And how some animals are hard to get close to. Very because much so. they can smell humans and you can't have a camera guy or girl outside of nature waiting for a snow leopard for you know 48 hours consecutive, hoping that they walk by in their shots so they have smaller cameras especially now yeah they put in boxes and when they capture something they take a little artistic liberty and they add cg to it and they kind of move around stuff so that they can put it in to show what it looks cinematic it looks more fluid too so balderdash or real i think that's real i think that people would do that for production value it's made up what i'm those gullible mofo in the entire world, <laughs> believe in your lies. <laughs> Just sit there and sit there and puke your lies. Sit there and puke your lies in. Puke it. I mean, it's, they're not going to show CG animals. Into the next life. <laughs> puke your lies. <laughs> All right. Do you want the balderdash for this week? It's not like I'm going to get it right because I always get fooled. Who's the fool now? <laughs> so inspired by parenting. It's often debated but confirmed true that tigers eat their young. Uh, according to my research, Mad it, tiger. it usually occurs during migration periods when food is scarce or there is a runt in their litter of kids. Uh, 
in the case of the runt, the male tiger will kill the cub and allow the other cubs to feed on it. So the parent won't necessarily eat it, but it will allow the other cubs to feed on it. Balderdash or... or Horribly real. real. Oh my so God. we'll find out next week. Horrifying. If that's true or not. I don't like that. But like I said, we have some listener questions. Bring it on. Listen. We have a ton from Jay Bartlett, of Super. course. Um, he wants to know our thoughts on the Lethal Weapon 5 announcement with uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. I almost said Donnie Glover. <laughs> him, so we, him too. Do, what do we think? Do we need a Lethal Weapon 5? I don't want to use ageism against anyone. I just, I don't personally need a Lethal Weapon 5. I didn't need a Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> I didn't need the Lethal Weapon TV series that happened or is happening. I didn't need Mel Gibson's mullet. I'm good. Oh, we need that. Who? I don't need that. It's yeah, not we. Do. That's you who needs no, Mel Gibson. That's mullet. what's going to make it no, sweet. I'm, I'm not excited for it. I'm, I have no use for it in my life. It's really. off my radar already. Uh, <laughs> Tanya, what was the craziest kitty gig you remember playing? Now, craziest is, is a word yeah. uh-huh. that can mean many different things. What's the craziest kitty gig that you've ever played? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to throw it at you in a few different ways, okay? Okay. Most overwhelming kitty gig. Hartford, Connecticut, big day off. Why was it overwhelming? The people there lined up to see us, like, before we were, like, anything. I didn't think anyone knew who we were. We were sitting at a tent. Well, first, rather, we played in the afternoon. Everybody takes a day off work at Hartford, Connecticut. Takes the whole day. They go to this thing called the big day off. A bunch of bands play. So we played in the afternoon. And then after that, like, we played a crowd of, like, God, there's thousands and thousands of people there. I couldn't, I couldn't count if if you asked me to. But then they sat us down at this booth and said we gave us some glossy eight by ten photos and said we want you guys to sign this. I'm like, ah, no one's gonna show up for this. People were lined up like in a like around the corner to get our signature, and that was a crazy, crazy show. But so that was the most overwhelming. Yeah. What was the craziest night you remember playing on stage and the crowd was going nuts and it was like a good thing, not like a scary thing, but it was just like. You guys were like all into it. This was awesome. You realized that maybe you were finally over the the tipping point where like people were really excited to watch Kitty play and you guys were just loving it. It was, I we played a gig at the Al Rosa Villa. That's where Dimebag Daryl was killed on stage. He obviously was alive then. But I remember playing a show there and the show was great and everything and there's a lot of bands and I remember going and the pit was like crazy and there was like there was a great crowd and everything was packed and it was wall to wall people and I remember going to the bathroom after and this girl was in the bathroom and she had blood all over her shirt I'm thinking oh god what happened to her she, oh my god your band was awesome I just wanted to let you know I got my septum ring ripped out in the pit I'm like I'm sorry and she's like no it was awesome like that was the absolute craziest like mosh pit these people were just beating the crud out of each other was that weird to like play on stage to that and then like go into like the same bathroom as like the people did you guys get like mauled doing that or did people no care? no uh, people would talk to you but at that point people weren't like oh kitty oh my god because we weren't blown up like quite yet we were getting there quickly but yeah it was just seeing this girl with all this blood all over, just knowing that our music caused that kind of chaos and she was happy about it. That was crazy to me. Like, absolutely crazy. Uh, what was the wildest gig? Probably Milwaukee, Milwaukee Metal, Metal Fest. Fest. Stop. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, that was definitely the wildest gig. 
Uncle Jerry. Oh, stop. Yes, yeah, so we played with the Misfits. We played with um, Nile, Napalm Death, Cannibal Corpse. Holy crud. So many cool bands. Fun bands. And they all had porn stars to uh, introduce us. So all these adult film girls that wanted to come up and like shake our hands. I was just like, um, I don't shake hands or hug. Please do not touch me, adult film star lady. I I know what your movies are. I know what's been in that hand. Both those hands. Ugh. Wash those hands. But that uh, was a, it. Was a crazy show, and it was a it was a crazy time. It was, it was it was insane. Jay's got a question for me now. He says, "Rob, within film, with everything old being new again, which John Hughes film would you like to see a sequel for mm. for taking place in twenty twenty? That's a good question. Well, they're remaking Home Alone." Or oh? they're doing a new chapter anyway. So, I mean, he was the writer and producer on that. So, I don't know if that counts as a John Hughes film. Um, I think The Breakfast Club would be completely different in 2020. Oh, my God. I don't need a sequel to that, really. I don't really need a sequel to any John Hughes film. I, I guess I would try to answer which I thought would be the most successful uh, or most entertaining to see it take place in 2020. Maybe Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because the idea of a kid skipping school is, is pretty timeless. Oh, and, always. And what does he do with that one day that he can get away from school and still try to get away with it by the end how of the day he, like he didn't get in trouble? How can he fit so much, so many activities? I think it's just the biggest concept that could work regardless of time period. Agreed. I think you could do that set in the 50s or set in the 70s. Yeah, it's and ageless. It, and it would just be as interesting as long as the things that he does... Yeah, they have know, to be engaging. Are are cool and engaging. So I think that would probably be that. And I'm not so precious about the first one. Like, oh. it's okay, but I've seen it like a million times and it just doesn't have the luster, you know. It's not as shiny as it used to be. I'm not a huge... Didn't, he did, what, Say It Almost Fire as well? I didn't really love that one. I did not love it at all. Yeah. Am I missing any other big ones? Pretty and Pink? Pretty and Pink. Eh. And I could... I mean, Molly Ringwald just never did it for me. She's... Yeah. I love her now in, in Riverdale. It's great. So, yeah. I Probably Ferris Bueller's. Uh, Planes, Trains, I mean, works, but I think it would be too much of the same film. Oh, yeah. And without John Candy. like who, Like, who's going to be the John Candy in no, this one? No one's the John like, Candy. Like, you know, that film is not about as good as the script is. It's about the casting of Steve Martin and John that Candy. That chemistry together. Yeah. Yeah, you and can't do anything. Is the great, great Outdoors is John Hughes as well. Yes, it is. Same thing. John and Dan Candy Aykroyd. and Dan Aykroyd. I think that's what that's Special. About. Although I, I, you could make an argument that that could be recast without as much preciousness on it. Sure, you could. You could. And it would be funny. I'm sure. Uh, he follows up saying, it said that Eddie Murphy was supposed to be one of the original Ghostbusters. Would you have liked to have seen him in the role? If so, who would you have him replace? He was supposed to be in the Bankman role. Really? Yeah. I did it. He's so funny, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That could have worked. Because, I mean, he is hilarious. And who would you replace if you were to put him in? Ernie. Hudson? Yeah. Winston? Winston. You said replace. <laughs> yeah. So you could replace Egon. <laughs> Why can't they just all play together? You can't have a fifth Ghostbuster. There's only four seats in the car. So what do they do with... With what? <laughs> you fail this game. I love how you just tried to upgrade Ernie Hudson to... I think what makes Winston great is that he isn't like those other guys. I think that makes his character unique. And then everyone would be looking at Eddie Murphy, expecting yeah. him to say the F word or something like that. And he's not going to. And frankly, I think... Because he's a comedian. Winston doesn't get the cred that he deserves, especially in the animated series. I think he's, he's I know, a great he's character. Really, yeah, yeah, I know. He's standout in that. Um, this next question comes from our friend Ian. 
in the UK, he wants to know, Star Wars, how come there's no Wi-Fi? Everything is hard connections and disks being passed, except for that one instance in Jedi where they take shuttle, I think it's Tiderium, to mm-hmm. go to the forest moon planet of Endor, mm-hmm. and they transmit an old code. Yeah. But how yeah. come everybody's handing disks off and there's no Wi-Fi when we have all this other technology? Because they don't want any of that to be intercepted, obviously, by spies. Yeah, Duh. but I think it's just a lot easier to send this stuff. Like, if they can yeah, clone it, whole people, oh, how come so, they're not doing yeah, this? They just, can't encrypt it? It's so easy. Screw it. Those, it just yeah. seems lazy. See, those space hackers can get through your encryption and they will ruin your life. They're spies. If it and, exists on a disk, it can exist you know it's like and, people, and multiple places. Nope, nope. It's for security. But they can send all these holographic projections and stuff, and that can't get intercepted with all these secret communiques no between no. Darth Sidious and his and his uh, Sith apprentice. No one's going to complain about a hologram. It's not about complaining. It's about how come they're not doing this and make a, a lot their lives a lot easier. Se- secure security networks. issues. Oh, what? So Darth Sidious is a technological wizard, and he can send a hologram to Darth Maul, and like apparently it's not a big deal. <sighs> Okay, I didn't know I was gonna, you're gonna bite my head off. I'm just saying, it's not my fault. I find your argument to be like Swiss cheese, full of holes. Like your butt. Get out of here. Speaking of which, I have <laughs> your butt. I have a story here from your mom. Oh, These are great. the Tanya stories. Oh god! And all I have right here is pink chair OPP. Your mom was sitting in the pink chair oh, well, all night long, and she called the OPP to make sure there was no accidents. Because I go out on tour we go a couple nights at a time we just go one night we do one off in toronto or somewhere in the states and detroit or something and on a school night no less and she'd sit in the pink chair the dusty rose pink chair in the living room and she'd sit in the alcove of the windows there and she'd call the opp put it on all she just wanted to know if anyone got killed on the highway like she called. And how does that make you feel? Oh my god! Being a parent now. Oh my god! The other day when she came over here and she was talking to me about that, I was like, I wanted to suffocate because I was like, Oh my god! I feel like I can't breathe because I'm like, that's gonna be me when like one of the kids is on a school trip, like overnight to you know Quebec or Toronto or something like that, and they gotta go because it's because the school's trip, and I'm gonna be freaking the crap out, and they won't be in a band playing late nights. Why not? You turned out great. That's debatable. <laughs> my favorite part of hearing your mom talk was in front of harrison when she said mommy was a very good liar talk about that i was like don't say that to him she's like you were you were when you were a kid you're just super manipulative you just really knew how to spin one i'm like used to i no i don't (laughs) i'm spinning one right now yes you are (laughs) She oh, and then she tells you that I have like a bazillion boyfriends. I was gonna say too. my next note is boys that came home. Enough of those can't remember all of them. Too many to count, she says. Yeah. Right to you. That's yeah. cool, mom. Thanks for putting my butt like right under the slutty butt. Because all, all I heard was that you didn't have a lot of boyfriends. You you're just like no no I didn't really date that much I didn't have a boy and then oh she had so many I couldn't couldn't remember all of them. What's well, just uh, so many to her. And how many are we talking? I don't know how many we're talking. Uh-huh. I'm quietly counting in my brain. Oh, yeah? I can't count, <laughs> I can't count that high. Oh, wow. <laughs> how does that make you feel about our kids? And when they start entering the dating realm. No, chastity belts for everyone. You're getting locked in the door from the outside. You know, you're not going anywhere, kids. No, nowhere. No dating. No dating allowed. The next note I have is lemon tea package. Oh. What does that mean? 
when I was a little girl, and I mean little, like six, seven, I chummed around with this little boy named Tim, and we were like best friends in school, just kind of like how Harrison and his one little girlfriend are, right? The little girl that he hangs out with. So <laughs> I got sick and had a real bad cold, and I wasn't in school for like days because like my asthma was bad too. So him and his mom, Shireen, drove over to our house, and I remember he brought me a little package, a care package that he made himself, probably with his mom. It had some like lemon tea in it. And it had some little peppermints, these tiny little peppermints that look like pastel little square pillows. And, you know, he just had some little, like, he had some chicken noodle soup in there and everything. And he wrote a note to my dad, I remember. And I'm only like six or seven years old about how his intentions were to marry me. And we were going to build a treehouse. He, my dad, because my dad's a carpenter. My dad was going to build a treehouse in our backyard for us to live in. And my mom said she still has the letter somewhere. And I, I want to see that. I think that's funny. Want to hear something funny? I do. I was that boy at one point. Were you? Yeah. I, I don't know how it came. I don't know how it started, but I know that at some point I kind of, I think I bought perfume for a girl in a class and Aww. I don't remember. And my ninnel took it over. She found out where she lived and she took it over her house. Like I was, I didn't even go. That's horrifying. Amazing. And she took it and she knocked on the door and said, Robbie McCallum, this is for her and her. So yeah. and so, so and so, and and my grandma, she might not get back. She's like, oh, she's so excited and stuff like that. And I remember the girl in, in school. She's like, I, thank you, I got the package. And I was like, it's okay, it's no problem. Uh, I, I was so like, shy. I was so nervous. I didn't even know. I was frozen with fear. Well, how old were you? I don't know. Not old. Little, like yeah. twelve. Yeah, something like that. Aww. Like eleven, ten. Yeah, like well, somewhere adorable there. little age. Aww. Back to you. More telling your stories. What now? I all I have is homeless neck tattoo boyfriend. Oh, for crying out, Pete! What? I don't want to talk about boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, I went out with a guy who turned out to be without residence. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> little freaking wheeze. Okay, <laughs> first of all, would you let your kids date somebody without a home? Hell to the no, to the no, to the no. So, I what was going through your mind when you discovered that? He doesn't actually have anywhere to live. Oh my god, he's so cute at the time. Because I'm a stupid idiot, like 15-year-old. Was like, it cute that he didn't have anywhere to no, live? No, it was cute because he was like a bad boy. It's like, like, so stupid. Did you think that he didn't have anywhere to shower then? We didn't, like, honestly, it was like the most squarest boyfriend ever. Like, No, like, I just meant that he probably like, stinks if he sleeps in tunnels and, un, he did, and no, in train he yards. he sleeps at the men's mission. I was like, you better be sleeping on your back. Like, I don't know what goes on in there. If he sleeps on his back, that leaves everything open to his front. But he doesn't want to leave his back open at an all-men's mission. You just sleep in a corner on your butt. Curl up in a freaking ball and just go sleep on the street. It's safer. And I guess your Oma, who's mm. your grandma, had some words about some of your other boyfriends. Yeah, she made fun of them and their hair and like their tattoos. And, and she, she didn't hold back. She no. Didn't, she didn't. She doesn't have a filter. She's, like, she's kind of like the Larry David of your family. She's like, you know what? With that tattoo on your neck, it looks ugly. It looks ugly. You see that? It's ugly. It looks ugly. I don't care what you think. I'm telling you right now, it looks ugly. You should remove it. But you just now it's there forever. And it's going to be ugly forever. She had the best. She literally had the best take on everything. She was like the Larry David of our family. She never tried to be offensive or anything like that. And she wasn't terribly offensive. It never came across that way. 
I just came across as she's just gonna tell it like it is. This is what I how I see it, and I'm gonna let you know. Never rude or judgy. Like it just didn't come to me. I never came across that way. She'd be like, "That's ugly." <laughs> she's kind of like how I am. Like, and or Harrison would be like, "Hey, mom, I gotta tell you something." Go on the Tower of Terror. <laughs> You're together. screwed. You're screwed. I do think uh, her and I would have got along. Oh my god, she would have loved you. She would have just loved you. I think you guys would have really. Got, yeah, because I Are think you sure. Because you're. Because I'm not so sure your your parents like me, so I don't know about. Oh, I know my parents like you. They're just. Uh, my Oma was like tough on me, like you are. Like, she holds me to a high standard. She... Do I hold you to a high standard? Very much. <laughs> you, <make sure> you, <laughs> you know. Are there parent like people in our lives? Absolutely. That, that aren't parents necessarily. Absolutely, tons. Tons. What about growing up? Did you have anybody that you looked up to like as a mentor or people that filled a void that maybe your parents weren't there for? Well, my Oma big time because she like, yeah. was the other and you know about grandparents like raising you. She was like the other mom that raised me. And then like... Anybody that wasn't related to you? Yeah, my, my mom's best friends like my Auntie Mary and my Uncle or Tom and my Auntie Carol and my Uncle David. They were always really good to me. And then my Uncle Stan was always awesome. He got married when I was like in my teens and to a lovely lady who is now my aunt Michelle and she was like married into the family and she just like stuck and was awesome from day one too so there are a lot of people that that uh that are cool like that aren't mom or dad yeah okay I mean I talk to my parents like every day I am that kid what? Why are you? Because what everybody like, can't hear is you doing an eye roll. I know, like, oh, I'm 37 years old. I talk to my parents every single day. No, not I, just every single day, multiple times a day. Yeah, I just I like to chat it up with them, make sure they're cool. They're getting up there. I'm not gonna have them forever, so you know, I just want to make sure they're good. And is that what you want with our kids to call you multiple times a day? No, I don't want them to call me. Multiple- <laughs> <laughs> you call me. Multiple times a day, I'm going to come over there and slap the sillies out of you. No, I'm just kidding. They can call me as many times as they want. I don't care. What? Give me that look. <laughs> the last thing I want to leave with is uh, a story that you told me today about your dad. And how he would push your buttons by saying David Bowie oh instead of David God. Bowie. And you were so irritated as you were telling me this story. I was like making coffee and like slamming cupboards this morning. So, so fill everybody in. So your dad grew up in England. Yeah. So sometimes his accent still comes out and we'd listen to music together. My dad actually, you know, baptized me with fire. He threw me into music. Like first we listened to records constantly. He was a wealth of knowledge for musical stuff. He had a great collection. I have it now. He's still with us, but he just gave me. It's heavy by the way. I had to move a couple boxes of CDs and vinyl today in an effort to make our smush recording room. We'll smush that. Well. No, my dad, uh, with his accent, the one time we were talking about David Bowie and listening to music because I listened to it a lot, and he said something about David Bowie, and I was like, oh, dad, it's David Bowie, that's annoying. So, like, on purpose, every time he was referring to David Bowie, he'd refer to him as, oh, didn't David Bowie this, David Bowie that, I'm like, I would want to, like, punch something because I would be so mad because I'm like, that's not his name. Like, and he'd just do it to, like, grind my gears, right? Sometimes Did it bother you so much because it was a musician that he was poking fun at? Yeah, because that's not his name. Because I always get people call me Tanya instead of Tanya. There's only like a handful of people on earth I would ever let call me Tanya. Everyone else, you can call me Tanya. Can I call you Tanya? You cannot. <laughs> you thought about it. You're like, can I? Can I something like this? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. I can't. I can't. Tanya. 
Oh, the fire just came out. Robbie McCallum? <laughs> that doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'll come up with something for you. Okay. <laughs> Do you think you ever pushed your dad's buttons growing up the way that he pushed your buttons about David Bowie? Oh, yeah, one time. Did you ever see anything in movies about kids pushing buttons that you're like, I got to try that on my dad? Well, no, one time mom? I got my dad real good because I went to his house and I think I was like, it's probably 18 or 19. My dad lives in Goderich and he lives in a big old like Victorian home kind of by the beach. And he has no sense of smell. And my dad's kind of an old hippie and his wife, you know, she's, she kind of does her own thing. She's not home a lot. So my dad and I... We're one and the same, and I was a young kid. I went up to his house, and I brought a bunch of pot with me. Oh, and my I, God. And I convinced my dad to smoke some pot with me so we could play chess and stuff like that. I'll tell you, I pushed his buttons, and I had him going. Like, you wouldn't believe me. And also, he was on the pot, so he did not know what to do with himself. And him going, I was killing him at chess and just screwing with his head and showing him videos on the computer that... We're funny then. Now they, I don't even know if they'd be available. This is when I was like 18 years old. So this is like almost 20 years ago. But he was higher than a kite and I was messing with him. And then my mom one time, only once ever, smoked pot with me when I was like, again, like 18. And she What's actually, funny about your mom and smoking ugh. pot is she was on your case forever about smoking pot. And the second it became legal in Canada, she was like a dealer. No, she grew some weed in her backyard. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, her, like field. her neighbor grew some weed for her in his backyard. No, in her backyard. No, in his. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They started it. It was a dwarf. I saw it. And it's like... Better than an And elf. then like three years ago, or over three years ago, like I quit... Well, no. About th- however many years ago. I quit smoking pot because I did yeah. smoke quite a bit of pot. And I smoked it. And now she's just like... And she'd always be like, you can't smoke weed. And now she's just like, well, smoking weed is, is like good well, for you. Now it's okay. It's, it's like, got a rubber stamp like, of approval. Because it's like eating How vegetables. things change, right? How parenting changes. Rules one day, gone the next. Well, I have one friend who's like, they're, now their dad is like basically a legal drug dealer. It's, he, he sells pot. Like, and when we were kids, I never thought, because their dad was so square and her parents were super, so super, you know, really conservative. Did you ever think you'd grow up and your dad would be slinging weed? And she said, oh, hell no. I'm like, yeah, me neither. Weird. It's a weird world we live in. What did you think about, uh, you think about pop culture and parenting now a little different? Oh, yeah. Did you realize all those connections were there? If you look for them. Well, yeah, but no, I mean, like, now what They're do you there. think after our discussion? <laughs> yes. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Retro Rags. Oh, we got some sweet swag in the mail today. Yeah, we finally got our action figure adventure merch, which is pretty awesome. And then I turned them inside out and I washed them on a delicate cycle right away. Crew hoodies and our crew shirts. So nice. That's all really awesome. And again, you can get some action figure adventure merchandise. Use code Adventure Twenty to save twenty percent off that and most items. Save your money on retro rags, which is cool. And uh, thanks for everybody that's supporting the Kickstarter too. We've got a handful of days left. That's it, and then the campaign's done. We are eight times our goal now, and then everyone's some. been amazing. We've had some amazing, amazing great. backers. It's We've got, cool. I think, uh, over 130 backers Holy now, smokes. which is cool. Thanks, yeah. guys. It's awesome that this series has so much support already. It's great. Admittedly, we didn't like pour months and months of of time and effort into getting this campaign ready and hitting different press outlets. We just wanted to kind of keep it small, use our Simple. fan base that we had. 
not go for the moon we didn't need to we just really wanted that disc to get kind of made and out there and thanks to you it will now exist now so out. that's the first thing that's happening i've got j-rock and avi coming to town next week so we can do some figure photography that's going to be fun the room is has less action figures in. i don't know if it feels like that but it's true it does and uh yeah the train keeps on coming traveling is starting it back up a little bit but so is post-production. So until next week, I don't know what we're discussing next week. Well, we'll figure it we'll out. Figure we'll let it out then. That's been another mouth cast. For you. We, do we need a jingle? No. Jingle but. jangle. It's the mouth cast there. Those words are there. It's the mouth cast there. Good night. It's like the legend of the bear. Oh it's the legend of me <laughs> walking away from this. Ridiculous. Love you, Tanya. <laughs> Honey, yeah. I love you. <laughs>